once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, William Stickovers of WilliamStickovers.com in Las Vegas, Nevada, bringing us today's topic on divination before the rootwork. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or rework as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and calls into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali. Miss Cat. <laughs> Thank you, Papa News. <laughs> I, I was, I don't know what happened, but um, about eight people showed up at the shop in pairs and singles, and uh, we had three oh, people wow. in the shop: Jenna, Ulaloom, oh, wow. and me. And Ulaloom had to go home sick, yeah. <laughs> so I had, I had to stay, and I. I stayed until I heard the very beginning of the familiar strains, the drug band walls, by the Memphis drug band, and I ran like a bat out of hell, and I made it. <laughs> and I want to apologize to all the people in the shop, and um, sorry, I couldn't stay and ring you all up. Whew, what a day. But um, yeah. it's nice to have some. It's nice to have so many people in the shop, and it's a nice sunny day actually. And most of the people who came to see us have come from far away, Nevada City, California. They've come oh. from San Jose. They're uh, they're. Oh. We had uh, one guy um, who actually came from Columbia, Missouri, <laughs> at the beginning of the yeah. day. So it's been, we've been popular. All right, I'm gonna just take a deep breath, and I had to, but I did want to give a little bit of information about what I've been up to because I usually tell people what I've been doing this week besides running my head off here. Um, I finished the book Bottle Up and Go last night, so it's done. Oh wow! Congrats. Is, yeah, the book is all done. Now yeah. we just have to proof proofread it, get the illos and the cover together. Um, so I'm very, very happy. It's a nice book. It's a good book, 96-page book, $9, all about bottle spills, jar spills, bucket, bowl, bag, and uh, um, freezers and loading candles and um, putting things inside of animal organs and bones and, and um, horns and hollow trees and you name it. If it's hollow and a spell can go in it, that's what this book is about. And um, we have some extensive quotes from our dear friend, Conjurman Ollie, in the book. And um, Ooh, and also, yeah, yeah, we put in a little bit of the stuff that you had done that workshop on. We also have um, some quotes and some help from Dr. Jeremy Weiss on, uh, on uh, amulet bowls. We have some help from Deacon Millet 
of course, our good friend Deacon Millet, who did a, uh, a whole book on honey and sugar spells and had some container spells. So we've put in a lot of help from others, Miss um, Aida, Professor Porterfield. There's a lot of contributors, but the book itself and the whole context and framework of the book is 100 different spells and more. I think we're actually up to 140 spells that are in containers, and um, the writers are me, Cat Ironwood, and Lara Rivera, who's also a member of AIR. So it's a, a big deal. It's going to come out real soon, as soon as we get the artwork and get the thing to press. And I think you're all going to love it. It's called Bottle Up and Go. And it's from an old song that I learned from Tommy McLennan. Memphis Drug Band recorded it, and Lead Belly recorded up Bottle Up and Go. These high-powered women, they sure got a bottle up and go. And that's what it's about. So that's it for me. Now, how are things in your world, Conjurman Ali? Things are, are going quite uh, well, but busy as usual. Uh, we remarked, uh, I think, last week about how uh, January is always a hectic month. December to January is always a hectic two months <laughs> um, for uh, root readers and root workers. Uh, so still playing a little bit of a catch-up with email, but they're going quite well. I've made a nice dent in them. Uh, the satisfaction of having... Uh, zero in the inbox is always something to look forward to when you have when everything is <laughs> read and responded to. It's such a wonderful feeling. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, I did want to say that uh, for for those that have been following the kind of uh, yearly reading that we do, we talked last week and the week before about Saturn conjunct Pluto, uh, and we mentioned a little bit about the lunar eclipse. So we're seeing a lot of that kind of come into play, particularly with the events in China going on. But now, um, in particular, when Saturn conjunct Pluto, last time it happened, I think Brezhnev died. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it always brings about this kind of element of the underworld uh, very clearly with, with that Pluto energy. And, of course, with Saturn, which is the original planet of the underworld uh, in classical astrology. But mm-hmm. uh, the combination of volcano eruptions, the massive amount of uh, earthquakes in Puerto Rico, someone mentioned that there was, it was 10 in one day at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then now with the coronavirus, which originates from a snake or a bat. So we're very much seeing that, that energy come to play. So tw- whatever it was, January, this one month seems longer than the entirety of <laughs> 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So just hold uh, on tight. The month is coming to an end. <laughs> yeah, this has been some week, and I'm just going to put in a little thing here. I've been devoting, um, uh, starting on late December, actually beginning of January, my New Year's resolution was to promote the candidacy of Bernie Sanders for mm. um, the presidency and going through the primaries, and then if he is selected, then going in through the presidential election. So I've been um, following politics much more closely, specifically with regard to the Democratic Party than I usually do. And mm-hmm. I want to tell you, there ha- talk about snakes. I'm just going to say it. That was it. Oh, you don't need- yeah. Talk about snakes. There have been yeah. some snakes in the grass and some vipers and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the proverbial adder held to the bosom and who turns out to be um, really a, a difficult um, – friendship to maintain let's just put it that way okay mm, and um true. there's and and uh and as you just noted in the chat room and anti-semitism and oh, yeah. just uh, just 
all-around fuckery, okay? It's been yeah. quite the month, and um, but we keep our spirits high. We focus on the good, um, and we, we just say our prayers that the good will be rewarded justly mm. for the good that they do, and that's all we can pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, those snakes. All right. Well, um, I have to say that this is um, one of those times when paying attention to the root work that you do is always mm-hmm. for the best. You know, um, we have this um, astrological stuff, and you brought us in on it. Let's go in a little deeper. We're bringing in a fantastic astrologer to um, work with us today, and um, that's William Stickevers. Now, before I bring him in, I just want to say, William is an astrologer, but he doesn't only do astrologer, astrology. So this uh, show is called a Pre-Spell Divination, and I'm not going to get him to talk about Saturn conjunct Pluto and the snakes in the grass. We're just not going to go there. <laughs> right, William? <laughs> sure. Whatever you want, Kathy. It's your show. Well, it's my show, I know, but but I mean, there's a lot to talk about astrologically, but I'm just going to let that ride for now and just say sure. we're working our way through this shit, and um, and not to mention there's a couple of other uh, nutty things going down. Um, all the Tauruses are having all of their electronics and everything break and be fucked up. Like my car's in the shop. Um, I had two computers oh, down. Wow. Um, I had a keyboard, a keyboard that just only started typing the the, the number zero by itself oh, spontaneously, God. right? And um, I know by watching. Um, uh, Papa Newt, who's another Taurus, that um, he he was posting on Facebook, oh, my God, I'm just slogging my way through everything going wrong. And um, so we all know what that's about. Us, us Tauruses are taking a, um, a serious hit, but that's for Tauruses only. <laughs> we're just we're having a, a ton of fun uh, with that. But we're we're making you know, it's none of it's uh, life threatening. It's just like fucking oh I know it's like oh 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 my keyboard's just it typed my keyboard typed 37,500 O's in a row without stopping (laughs) (laughs) in the middle of the book bottle up and go right they just appear in the middle of the book oh yeah inside the book oh yeah it was it was alarming but all's well that ends well anyway Mm. so um William give us give us a, a good one paragraph on the current astrology because it is so weird, and then we'll go to our actual topic, okay? Sure. Um, I think the bigger issue has to do just not with the uh, with the fact that we're going to see a triple conjunction, not just Saturn-Pluto. The Saturn-Pluto alignment mm. has been active since October uh, 2019, and it's now in full force, but the bigger issue has to do with the culmination of the Jupiter-Saturn-Pluto uh, triple alignment when the mm-hmm. sun ingresses into Aries. And the last time mm. we saw that happen was 1284-85, and that was the, the peak medieval era, or the high middle age, if you will. And that was the beginning of the collapse of the Mongol Empire, who attempted <laughs> to invade Europe unsuccessfully. It was a large-scale conflict between Europe and China going on at that time. And <laughs> also, it was the collapse the beginning of the end of the feudal system, which would end disastrously, and the beginning of the Black Death. The Black Death period actually started in Mongolia and started spreading 
in the late 1200s that correlated with the uh, end of the medieval warm period and the beginning of the medieval ice age where you had massive crop failures as a result, which led into the Black Death, which led into the uh, Renaissance, the collapse of the uh, Constantinople, the, Ottomans mm-hmm. the, the rise of the Ottoman Empire, the collapse of the Mongol Empire and the beginning of the, uh, I believe, the Ming Empire at that time. The, excuse me, the Yuan Empire took mm-hmm. over. So that all occurred at that time. And uh, it was also the beginning, by the way, of the fiat currency system. China was the first to implement it. Mm. And Marco Polo took that technology of fractional reserve banking over to Venice, which then that started becoming the way of banking for Europe, which ignited the European miracle. Wow. Damn, I knew you could do it in one paragraph. Wow. (laughs) Anybody who didn't understand that, play that back in the archives. Just play it back for yourself. But um, if I understand, this Pluto-Saturn conjunction, when the sun ingresses into Aries, that's going to be squaring this? Is that what we're talking about? So really what's happening here is that the energy of this triple alignment will not be uh, completely, let's say that the injection of this archetypal force on the world stage will not happen. There's a buildup, and then we go into it head first mm-hmm. down the mm-hmm. roller coaster or up the cliff, however you want to call it, <laughs> Wow! when the sun ingresses into Aries. That's why it's traditionally been the new year going back as far as 5,000 years. It's only recently been changed. Mm-hmm. Since the 1500s, oh, where I they see moved what the you calendar. You're talking about the sun ingressing into Aries, not being an Correct. aspect to it, but that being the natural new year. Mm-hmm. I get you. you I, now I get you. The, the vernal equinox. Yeah, I get the it. Vernal okay. Equinox is yeah, the astrological new year, and you could actually take that chart for every capital, especially for DC, since the, since the US is still the world's uh, superpower. And you could determine what's going to happen that year with a high degree of accuracy on the world stage. Yeah, you could already I get you. See, 2019 has already been the first crack for this. I mean, massive worldwide protests against neoliberalism that are continuing up until this particular moment from Chile to uh, Hong Kong to India to Lebanon to Iraq. These are massive scale protests that have been going on year long, and they're all mm-hmm. reaching ahead. In this past couple months, I mean, we're very American centric here. We generally don't look at the rest of the world, but you're already seeing these kind of massive seismic shifts. We're seeing the collapse of the old Arab dictatorships, the collapse of the global south, the transformation of East Asia, the mm-hmm. Hong Kong emerging pro democracy movements there. Even France and Germany right now are undergoing seismic political changes. I mean, France has been caught up in a series of yellow vest protests for what? A year and a half now, and they're not going yeah. anywhere. That's right. It's now this is spread to this, most of Europe. Yeah, and I and I also just want to say that whole thing about the rise of fiat currency that's important because this is paralleling the rise of cryptocurrency as a an echo down. You know, if we look at at history not as a circle that goes around but kind of as a spiral, we've hit that point, and we it's time for a new form of currency. Cryptocurrency will be, I hope the new currency, because fiat currency, Hmm. folks, is not working so good. But the way that crypto is being done now, maybe we're going to have to work on that technology. But it's a much more um, 
secure way of working uh, with finances. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. Now let's actually go to our topic because I really <laughs> want to talk about that too. So sure. um, uh, this is um, – Oh, and, and Ali, I've got to give a shout. He says, I see less currency stuff personally, but seismic changes in government, definitely. Well, yeah, but they go together, in my opinion. The form of well, currency kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a Federal Reserve Bank and fiat currency, that's, you know, I mean, then if you go to crypto, you're going to have a different, it, the whole thing's going to shift. It's just a, it's just a big, like, let's just do 52 pickup, throw them on the floor, pick them up when they're reshuffled. <laughs> well, here's, a, here's a question I have to put out to those who have a little bit of skepticism about crypto. Let's look at the last type of uh, revolution that we had with the automobile industry. In 1920, mm-hmm. how many Americans had cars? What percentage? Right. Take a guess. Right. I don't right? know. 10, 12 percent, 10, 12 percent. Yeah. By 1930, that number was well almost 90 percent. Right. Well, it's the same with the internet. Mm, Look at the internet. You know, when I got in the internet, the only people on the internet either were in a university or they were working for, um, uh, you know, the Defense Department. That was it. You know, I got mm-hmm. in early because I had friends who were working in, in development, which they had contracts with the government. And, um, but you know, now everybody has the internet. They just, you know, it's just a, a way of life. I have a feeling mm-hmm. that this, uh, there will be a change in our currency. All right, let's go to our topic. I mean, we could, you could all sit here and listen to us opining, but we want to give you some practical <laughs> knowledge too. And, um, and this isn't, you know, what this isn't a morning drive show. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Um, so pre-spell divination. I'm just going to give a really quick thing, and we're going to turn it over to William. Ali will jump in, and I'll jump in as well. Pre-spell divination is how do you determine what spell you're going to use? Now, there are many ways to do this. You can pull a tarot card. You can use a pendulum. You can um, make a, a horary astrology chart an election for the time that you're going to do the div- um, do the work, for instance. can also be done astrologically. There are other ways to, to determine based on uh, psychometry of the person and so forth. Pre-spell mm-hmm. divination, many of us use cards because it's really quick, but you can also use bone throwing. You can use dominoes. There's so many things you can use because... When you break down what is the spell going to be, whether you're doing it for yourself or whether you're doing it for a client, you want the spell that is the most efficient for three different ways of looking at it. Number one, is this the most efficient spell for the situation? That's what everybody thinks is is all, but there's more. Is this the most effective spell for the time that it's happening? And is it the most effective um, effective spell for the person, and especially if you're predicting that this person will do it themselves, is this a spell that they can handle? Okay, so those are the things that run through my mind when I do divination on a spell. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to William. Go ahead. Well, one of the things uh, when it comes to doing divination for a spell is first looking at the deeper nature of the problem that's being addressed initially from the consultation or reading that was done prior or during. So I often find that the deeper issues uh, that are not always being directly or upfront articulated, at least from the initial question, is being clearly symbolically articulated in the divination itself, whether it be uh, horary in my case or using tarot cards, I Ching or bibliomancy, 
uh, or uh, using any other type of system or even regular playing cards. So um, I think the question really set is coming down to uh, looking at that in the problem, the solution is being revealed. And you could use that type of symbology in terms of trying to come up with an appropriate type of magical ritual that can be implemented uh, in the most efficacious way. But the deeper thing I keep asking here when I look at that is, is the gods, right, or is the god willing that X should happen or will this spell ultimately give the person what they really need that's in, a, in accordance to their particular path or destiny or where they're at with, them, with their life? Will it put them on track? Will it push them off track with their life path? Those are things I also look at. And um, so these are just, you know, if the, if the gods are willing, if the, if the divination indicates this is, it's clear that the, this person needs to be doing X, Y, and Z, and the outcome they're desiring is in, in accordance with their path, then, you know, I will, um, I'll provi- you know, I'll certainly provide them a very, quick and, uh, you know, something like a three-day spell that they can probably do on their own. If it's something that indicates there's a deeper issue at hand, then I would, then I have a much more, um, then I, then I have a different type of strategy and approach towards uh, coming up with the type of spell. Obviously the spells that will invoke wisdom and giving clarity are going to be part of what the solution is in terms of what they're trying to achieve. But I think the big issue is should the spell, should we even go ahead and do this spell? Is this spell that they're seeking, is the solution really something that a spell can deliver? Yeah, I know what you're saying. In other words, um, I've sometimes done, I use Tarot a lot of the time, and I'll get that this way is blocked completely. The answer to the divination is the way is blocked. And there's really no answer to be had from the cards. This is a it's a down tone, not so looking good. I'll sometimes run a second row of cards saying, um, can magic help? That's question number two. And then if the cards don't show me some... Ah, there came my ginger. Oh, thank you, dear. <laughs> He's a, my, my little elf just showed up with my ginger, courtesy of Papa G, the ginger provider. Um, so, uh, you know, if the if the uh, cards on the question uh, can magic help are not clear on what form of magic, then I'll run a third row of three cards. What form of mm-hmm. magic? But usually, by the time I've got six cards out, the problem, and then can magic help? I've already started to see are there more wands? That would be candle magic. Are there more uh, cups? Well, that would be tea, or it would be bathing, mm-hmm. or something. Um, if it's somebody down by the water, it might be bathing. If it's, for instance, mm-hmm. someone with swords down by the water, like the two of swords, I'd say that's a cut and clear with a bath, you know. But if I still mm-hmm. don't get it, I'll just run run one more row of three. That gives me nine cards on the table. And the last row of three is show me some spells. And I have um, associated through long years of practice, certain tarot cards go with certain forms of spells. That's just me, mm-hmm. but not everyone uses tarot. How about you, Ollie? What do you do? 
Oh yeah, um, it's interesting that we talk about uh, divination before spellcasting because it's in reality probably the oldest form of professional remedial magic deals with the issue of magical timing. Uh, most of the kind of early forms of magic that we find, for example, in Mesopotamia, etc., are fundamentally about knowing when to do something. That is 90% of the magic. The professional ritual component of it is like 10%. And we have the Uruk tablets, you know, the Uluma Anu Elil, which talk about, for example, Venus predominantly. And all of it is how to create love spells, how to avoid war, or how to cause war. Uh, and they all have to do with knowing exactly where Venus is at what particular time and then working according to that. So there's a, there's a very strong component of divination and magic working hand-in-hand hand together. It's the long history of it. And some forms of divination systems already have that built in. Classical astrology is one example of this. Geomancy is another. Uh, Tortoiseshell divinations in ancient China is another example of it, in which the remediation is already built into the divination so, for example, in geomancy, when you do a reading for a person or you consult and cast a chart, there is a figure known as the chatham or the result of the result. That will tell you what type of magical work that you should do in order to remedy the situation. So let's say I pull up a chart and then puella is the chatham or the result of the result. That tells me that I need to work with mirror magics or enchantments. Uh, and sometimes oh, yeah. these prescriptions will be even specific, even more specific, that you need to work on a particular day with a particular type of incense to a particular type of spirit. So divination and magic uh, really go hand in hand in a way that sometimes we forget. We see them as sort of separate systems, but in reality, they're intertwined. And in my work, I see divination as the precursor to everything that I do, not just in terms of whether I will do magic or not, but the actual prescriptions is written into the traditional understanding of geomancy, astrology, or other forms of divination. That's, a, that's, that's really, really a good way to, to look at it. And as I said, I use cards, but yeah. um, there's, there are many, many ways to um, uh, you know, do this. I want to point out, and uh, maybe someone can just write this down, in the red folder, uh, Diagnosis by Cartomancy, on page 26 and this is by uh, Madame Nadia and she gives a, a, a real capsule thing on what she calls diagnosis strategies and card led conjuration and her system I, I, I'll take a little credit for it because I was her teacher but she took it mm. very much farther than I had in actually writing it down because I had it all in my head and she made this fantastic um uh, it's almost like a little booklet all its own on how the cards, either the playing cards, the tarot cards by suit, and also the Lenormand cards, mm-hmm. um, how you can get your spell work from whichever card system you're using. That that um, little article there is worth the price of the red folder alone. It will, it's um, a great value to anybody who uh, wants to know how to do card-led conjuration. And of all the people who have really kind of epitomized, or in many ways, the intersection of divination and magic, it's Madame Nadia. Right? I mean, her mm-hmm. system is the way she works is fundamentally as a diviner who uses her divination tools in magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I have to say, when she when she turned in that workshop thing and I said, well, Madam Nadia, this is so great, and she goes, you know this is your system. I just expanded it. <laughs> I said, well, it's true. I had taught it to her. Um, but she took it way beyond anything that I had ever thought of. I was really mind-blown by the detail that she brought to it. So if you're not mm. familiar with it, that's a good one. Now, much of that in my world is based on what I call the four-element system, and in other words, mm-hmm. earth, air, fire, and water, and those are the four suits of the tarot cards. So if you get a lot of wands, it's candle magic. If you get a lot of swords, swords are air, so that could mm-hmm. be uh, incense, and it could be prayer, it could be the tongue, and it also could be stabbing, stabbing a doll, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You have to put your mind kind of um, into the four-element system in order to use the four suits of the tarot, or look at the uh, major arcana or the uh, trumps to get some images, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to William. So, William, when you do this, um, do you do diagnosis for clients who are going to be doing their own work and, and then give them a prescription, or do you also do it when you're going to be doing work for somebody? I do it for both. And uh, if it's something that I feel is beyond the scope of their capacities, uh, meaning it's a much more involved spell and it requires more than just uh, purchasing the appropriate oil and uh, making a name paper, then it'll be something that I will take on. And uh, this is especially when I'm dealing with bigger issues, more strategic issues, more issues that are uh, not so much the tactical ones, the snapshot type ones where a person's uh, making a decision for a given dilemma and they're looking for a new idea or a bit of good advice and hopefully uh, an appropriate amount of luck to push them through or to mm-hmm. get them to make the right decision. Uh, it's, um, it's more where, uh, so there, that type of magic, most hoodoo covers very well. In fact, most, of, you know, they, most people can get that resource without getting necessarily a, a reading or a divination reading from a hoodoo practitioner. It's mm-hmm. really getting, uh, getting perspective on what's happening uh, from a larger perspective, especially people who are going through crisis and mm-hmm. people who are going through midlife crisis, Saturn returns, especially second Saturn returns for those all born between 1959 and 62 with this triple alignment. All right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be mm-hmm. a big Saturn return. So those types of things, that's the type of magic I will take on. Those are much more involved, uh, much more involved rituals. The only thing that I'll have them do is to take ritual baths in conjunction within the timing or the time frame that the spell is being, uh, was in the operation. And mm-hmm. I particularly look at, uh, I do the horary. Will magic be effective in mm-hmm. mediation? And yes or no. And if it's yes, then the symbolism of the sixth house, the sixth house being the house of, um, of um, magic, of traditional, mm-hmm. uh, traditional magic. Right, yeah, sixth house, sixth house is sometimes called the the, the house of Ritual. labor and work, and therefore mm-hmm. magic as a work goes in the sixth house. That's absolutely true. Cor- correct, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's ritual magic is the sixth house. And by the way, fifth house is talismans. A lot of mm-hmm. astrologers mix it up. Just, I just want to get mm-hmm. clarity there. So will this ritual be effective? If so, all right. What's the best approach? And then you can take the symbolism of the sixth house, the position of the moon, 
if it's a love question or let's say it's more of a career question, then I would look at a universal indicator. For example, if it's, if it's something about uh, a particular crisis they're in or has something particularly related to their career path, I would look at the position of Saturn. Even if Saturn had nothing to do with the sixth house, I would say, where is Saturn at? The Saturn universe rules the where your particular station in life is at the present moment based on your lifetime journey. So I would mm-hmm. look at that. If it's, if, it's, if it's a relationship thing, I'll certainly look at Venus and look at, is this an issue that has to do with an intimacy issue, an intimacy challenge, self-love issue? Is this something to do, is this more of an internal thing or is this mm-hmm. that's being projected into their relationships, right? Or is this something that, you know, where they just need a better opportunity, a better chance. So I'll look at all of those things. And I look at the first house and the sixth house. I do a hurry snapshot, and that's essentially how I approach it. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful way to work. I also will um, do um, the sixth house because I do a wheel of the year slash birthday special slash um, – uh, horoscopic tarot layout, a 12-card layout. You start at the first house, mm-hmm. which is to say at 9 o'clock, going counterclockwise to 6 to 3 to noon and then back to 9, and you lay out 12 cards. Therefore, if there is a question on what to do, that will be on the sixth house, whatever card is in the sixth house. And I don't necessarily have to know what planet is in the sixth house because I'm using the cards to create mm-hmm. a... I guess you would call it a faux horror chart, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that that works well for me, too. I also have certain cards that I just have um, always associated with things. The Ace of Pentacles, get a talisman. I mean, Jesus, there's God mm-hmm. handing you a big talisman, right? right. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, and um, there's, there's, there are cards like that, that that really speak very strongly to the kind of magic. But not every card does. Another one... Um, the Eight of Pentacles, there's like a make a talisman, they're making talismans. Okay, you're going to do that one. Um, and there are others that are um, that are very um, direct. I also, when I see a, a, a card that has sunflowers, I say make sure you eat more uh, seeds and nuts and eat healthy, right, natural food. And that may not be a spell, but it might also inform the spell. And if the cards have bay leaves in them, I'm going to add bay leaf mm-hmm. to that um, to that uh, spell working. And um, there are, of course, many different things you see in the cards. You see grapes. Well, that would be alcohol. I could use wine. I could use, you know, port or sherry, or I could even use whiskey or whatever I wanted to, but that's alcohol. And those things are individual to me, but they are also many workers who work that way. All right. Well, um, I'm, I'm looking at the time. We've got another four minutes we can talk, and then we're going to be taking our clients. So I'm going to ask another question for you, William. What do you do when the client has what I call um, problems all over the map? I had one of these today. A lady came in, and no, no offense to her, she said she wanted a candle. I said, what do you want the candle for? She goes, well, it's just a situation in my life, a transition. And I said, okay. Let's narrow this down. Is it health? Is it love? Or is it money? She goes, well, it's money. It's my job. I said, okay, what do you want? 
she couldn't even articulate what she wanted. She goes, I made a mistake, and there's going to be a meeting. And I'm like, do you want to keep your job or you want to get fired from your job? Oh, I want to keep my job, but I only want to keep it for a little time. So, you know, it, it, it dragging this information out of the client, and again, no offense to this person. She was new. She'd never been in our shop before. It took me five minutes just to get her to say what she wanted. And when I had it all written on a paper and I had a boss fix candle and I was dressing the boss fix candle, she said, well, can I change that a little bit and have it be about my own spiritual quest or whatever? And I said, no. <laughs> right. So, so William, what do you do with a client who's all over the map? You're divining for a um, for a, a, a reading on what's going to happen and then how to do the work, and suddenly they change what they want. What do you do with them? Yeah, and that's a really tough one because there are people uh, who have been in such a prolonged state of living a life of ambivalence that has now infected every sector and area of their life. Mm, They're completely well off said. track. They've lost their mm-hmm. moral compass. They've compromised mm-hmm. themselves. They, they sort of sold out in all different ways, and um, they've abandoned their own standards. So this is not something that, you know, quick remedial magic, you know, this is not something like a snapshot, a snapshot question can really, uh, that can give a, there's no quick fix for this type of thing. I think I would get them to try and rephrase, you know, please give me a reflection of what's happening in my life, what's, what's happening in my situation. And then mm-hmm. within within that situation, we might be able to see if there's some magical pathway to get them to get them the perspective and get them ultimately back on track with their life. Those are all mm-hmm. symptoms that they are off the path. Right. That's right. So when you ask a reader for a divination, be prepared to know exactly what it is you want because – a properly focused question will help them do a properly mm-hmm. focused prescription. Okay. And sometimes the prescription is there is not. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. As we say, God answers every prayer, and sometimes, alas, the answer is no. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, William. That was brilliant, and. Um, we're going to take a couple of readings from clients. So we're going to turn this over to Papa Newt, and he's going to bring us our first client. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwooding, Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, the Williams Takeovers, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home contra remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through blog, talk radio, or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Papa Newt, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. And our first caller is calling from country code 60 in Malaysia. This is Renayman. Renayman, are you there? Yeah, hello, I'm here. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Yeah. I see this is your first time calling in, so thank you for entrusting us with your situation. 
Now, looking here, I see that you have not had a reading with Miss Cat or Contramental Lee or have gone to, gone to any other readers or rewarders on the situation. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't you done anything. Okay. Thank you. And you write, my sexual life and love life are not good. I had some short-term relationships in the past, and they lasted only six to seven months. I would like to have a reading about my sexual relationships and love relationships. I prefer lust first, commitment later. In terms of zodiac sign, which zodiac signs are good match to my own? Turn back to you, Miss Kat. All right. So, um, hi, and I have met you in the forum, so thank you for calling in to the show. Um, so I have here that uh, you are a Leo, and um, yes, Leo's am. what? Uh, yes, I am a Leo. A Leo, yeah, and Leos are very loyal people. And they like a long-term relationship. They're a fixed sign, so short-term relationships will not satisfy a Leo. Now I'm going to ask uh, one more question about how old are you? Uh, right now I, I am 30. 30? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've been through your first Saturn return, and that's what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about astrology. The Saturn return is a time of big change in your life. And at the end of the Saturn return, which happens, you know, you, you reach the end of it by 29 or 30, you are prepared for the next stage of your life. So what I see here is this is a good time to call because you're going to be starting in on the next, uh, you know, 27, 28, 29 year cycle of your life. Okay. So wow. I'm going to I'm going to do a three card reading, and um, that's all I can do on the radio is just three cards, and I'm going to ask the question on your behalf. Um, uh, how is the situation? Why the the lust and the and the commitment? Why are there blockages? Is there some information I should have? Was something done to you? Is it something within you? Is it just bad luck? Why is this happening? And and uh, with maybe an idea of how can it be better? Okay. So um, card number one is a card that is called the Wheel of Fortune, and the Wheel of Fortune says. You may have been in a state of flux, a state of change. It shows a wheel spinning around. There are four animals in the four corners looking at the wheel, and they stand for the four fixed signs of the zodiac. One of them is a lion, Leo. There's a bull for Taurus, an eagle for Scorpio, and an angel for Aquarius. And they're all writing in books. And on the wheel, there are three more beings, a sphinx with a sword for justice, a snake for kind of bad people, snakes in the grass, and then a a man as a priest of Anubis, who's a faithful companion, who is rising on the wheel. So what this says to me is that you've been kind of um, going through a lot of relationships, but um, you're really due to get to a good one. You have to do a little bit more looking into people. These animals are holding books, four animals in the corners. I always say, look at their resume. Look at what their life was like before you jump in. Um, Investigate them. I don't mean investigate them for a criminal background or anything like that. But this says, take a deeper look. There are many people looking at you, and you may look at many, but avoid the snakes. 
Look for the faithful companions. It's a good card, but it's it's spinning, and it says you have not. It's like the Wheel of Fortune, the game, you know. You have not yet. Uh, the wheel is still spinning and has not ended spinning. The uh, can card, I have one more input? Yes. Yes. Uh, in terms of uh, Chinese zodiac, I am a snake. Oh, you're a snake in Chinese mm. zodiac. Okay. All right. Yes. Well, well, I'm going to say here that as far as people to meet, um, the um, the Leo likes people who are fire signs, who and who are who are exciting and yet who are steady minded. And um, I would do think that you might do well with an Aries person. The next card also tells me a little bit about something going on that's more within you than it is within the people that you have been meeting. And this card is called the Four of Cups. And it shows a person sitting underneath a tree, and they've been offered cups by a little hand of an angel that comes out of a cloud from heaven. They were offered a cup, and they said no, shook their head no. The angel goes back, brings another cup from heaven. They say no. Brings a third cup. They say no. And now we're looking at them as what's called the fourth refusal. And this person is still shaking their head no. They're not satisfied with what the universe is bringing them. So either you're going to have to learn to look a little differently at what the universe offers, or if you keep refusing, that little angel that goes up to heaven and brings all these beautiful sex partners to you for a quick try is not going to keep on bringing them. So be grateful for those who do want to be your companions, even in lust. And don't be too picky. Don't be saying they must have a bosom size of such and such, and they must have a skin tone of such and such, and they must have an age range of such and such. Because this card is a guy who's a little too picky. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be stuck with some old, you know, battle axe that you don't love. But it does mean that in some ways you have refused some who were actually could have been good. And they're still there uh, sitting on the grass, those little cups. A cup always represents a female. And so I'm just saying don't don't be too discriminatory and um, and make sure that you accept the love that's offered even if you do want to move on. And the third card is a card that tells me that you can have the love you want. And this is a card that is uh, very good for, um, you know, sexual love, if you accept it, if you if you say, this is, you know, this is what I want. And this card is the card of strength. And this is a woman taming a lion. Well, you're a Leo. And this woman has an infinity symbol over her head. And she's a very strong, powerful woman. And the lion is looking up at her and licking her wrist and is very uh, looking her right in the eye, and she's petting the lion. So this says, don't fear women who are strong women, or if if your thing is men, don't fear men who are strong. But it means the partner who you will be getting will be very much um, their own person. And there are roses all over. The strength lady is wearing a garland of roses, and she has roses and flowers in her hair. 
And this, to me, is a sign that she has a lot of sexual energy. And she's going to teach you how to control and make the most of your sexual energy. So let your partner, in some ways, be your guide. All right, I'm going to turn this over to William. So, sir, uh, one of the big issues I see is the fact that you really have no strategy. You you have desire, but it's almost there's sort of like this entitlement going on where you expect it to come to you. And this is the problem. You know, it seems to me that, uh, you know, you have to have some coherent strategy in terms of trying to meet the person or to at least start meeting women and, and getting, you know, and this is, this, you know, today it's a lot harder because of the digital age we're in with the dating sites and apps. However, uh, there's still lots of things one can do. And I really see this being a, a, a fight, an uphill battle for every little gain in this area. You know, each step will feel like a struggle to you because it's going to take you outside your comfort zone. It's almost like the way you approach this based on the, the beliefs and values and expectations during your formative years has put you in a position where you're going to have to almost change every aspect in terms of approaching love, finding love, and mastering the, the aspect or the um, domain of courtship. Right, mm-hmm. the first three months of dating is considered courtship, so it's really like a complete overhaul is required at this point. What used to work, or what the expectations that were based on vanity pursuits, are all collapsing now. And so, I think it's it's very important for you to have a strategy and to start meeting women without wasting your precious time and energy and hard-earned money, but doing it with clarity of outcome, right? So my question to you is, what have you been doing and what do you need to do differently if you really want to meet somebody who is going to, you know, ultimately what I see here is you're looking for a partner. You may say, I want commitment later, but from what I see in this horror, it's indicating to me that you're psychologically transitioning into a place where you're are going to be seeking more of a compatible erotic relationship, something you haven't had up to this point in your life. So some of the solutions I'm just going to recommend is there's a lot of different ways of meeting women here. You know, I've now with my clients, I've recommended co-ed sports, volunteer work, learning how to dance, social dancing, social dancing, dance classes, uh, book signings, cooking classes. A lot of women are at cooking classes. I mean, you need to be around women more. You're just not around them. At ones who are emotionally available, who are single, who are not, you know, tied up, who are not overly committed to work. So I think it's. I think what you need to do is get a plan together. And also, I think you really need, if you are using that dating, if you're having the uh, dating sites and apps, you don't, your profile is probably not really representing who you are. You probably don't have a professional picture that represents you best from what I can see here. You need to change that up. You need to c- come up with a dating app profile that women, women who you would be interested in 
would be interested in viewing and engaging you with. Okay. Wow. This is really good advice. And um, I'm going to say something. I, you and me, William, we agree on one thing. Nonprofits, um, mm. in, the days of, in these days of dating apps, um, yes, get your Get your dating app together, but if you really want to um, hang out with somebody, do some courtship while at a nonprofit. You can't beat that. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That's really good mm-hmm. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's see what um, Contraman Ali has to say. He's going to give you some ideas, and um, I think we're going to be looking at this from the standpoint of what kind of um, spell work you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to give you some, some root work recommendations based off what the readings have said. Um, this is both to kind of focus in on what it is you're actually looking for, but also to increase your overall attraction. So this is really good for uh, men who are, you know, want to be enchanting in their own right. So we often talk about sort of bewitching products and bewitching spells for women, but there are some things that men can do to increase their allure, to increase their uh, attractive quality. So first we want to start off with a battle address, the kind of four of cups that we saw here by changing things up a bit, using that water energy to help clarify and, and open things up for you. So what I want you to do is get Rue, Rose Petals, John the Conqueror, uh, Chips, uh, Lovage, and Star Anise, and you're going to brew this into a tea. And as it's brewing, you're going to speak your intentions into it. You're going to say that I, everywhere I step, people will be drawn to me. The people that I like will be drawn to me. I will be open to new opportunities, open to new uh, experiences. I will find people who I resonate with. I will find meaningful connections. Speak that reality into it while it's brewing. I'm including the rue component here to kind of uncross, open up uh, some of those those avenues for it to help to bring a bit of energetic shift here. Once you've brewed this into a tea, let it cool enough so that you can bathe into this and bathe using this wash yourself in this let yourself air dry Uh, i recommend that you do this three days on the third day while you're air drying you are going to create a mojo bag for yourself that will carry this work going forward and will be an ally for you finding the partners you are looking for this mojo bag should have in it a petition paper and in this petition paper you will write down exactly what it is you are looking for i always tell my clients that this list should be meaningful that doesn't mean you can't include physical features on there we love with our eyes first so there's perfectly fine to say oh i'm really interested in someone who's tall or beautiful whatnot but don't make it meaningless or superficial. They need to have this hair color. They need to be six feet. They need to have, that's where you start to lose it. Instead, make it meaningful. I want someone who I find physically attractive, who's sexy, who's compassionate, who's loving. Those are more meaningful qualities. You're going to write what you're looking for on that petition paper. Then gather the uh, components that you're going to include. You want to have John the Conqueror root. Find one that, that resonates with you. John the Conqueror, you can order online. You can get a small size of this. You don't want a huge one so that the mojo bag is impossible to, to hide or put in your pocket. You can get a small John the Conqueror from Lucky Mojo. They organize them according to sizes. Uh, this is really great for men who are looking to kind of boost their sexual potency. John the Conqueror is the ultimate male root. You're going to include Calamus. Calamus has the same effect 
that catnip does, but for dudes. So if you use uh, calamus, it has a really hot effect on the people around you. Calamus, you're going to add lovage for passion and love, a little bit of ginger to heat things up, Cuba berries to make the people around you willing, rose petals for love, and violet leaves for love as well. You're going to put all those in along with your petition paper, pray into the bag, and then knot it three times. You're going to feed the bag your preferred cologne. Pick a cologne that you are going to wear that's your going to be classically or iconically your scent. That's yours. You're going to add a small sliver of calamus into that cologne along with a small John the Conqueror root, and you're going to add a couple drops of your sexual fluids. You're going to add that into the cologne, shake it up, spray the bag with the cologne to feed it, and then spray yourself with the cologne on your pulse points when you go out. Carry this mojo bag with you wherever you go. It is your ally. It is your friend. It's your wingman. Uh, it will draw to you the people that uh, you are interested in, the right people. It will help to act sort of filtering, but also kind of bring people to you. And then the scent will also help to kind of boost your confidence and the attractive quality. This is what I would recommend for you. You start off with a bag and then end with something that is a little bit more long-term. Mojo bag combined with a magical scent. And I think that this is going to be really good for your situation. Now, we do have a couple minutes, so I'm going to turn this over to Miss Cat and William to see if they have anything to add. But it is. Uh, sorry, can I ask you one question? One second. Hold, hold on. Before you ask your question, let me just say one thing. It is super important that when you're working this particular type of magic, that you do go out. This is not magic that's only going to work online. That doesn't mean you, don't, you shouldn't use dating sites, you shouldn't use dating apps. Go ahead and do it. But you have to complement that by physically meeting people, physically uh, encountering, because the scent works by actually smelling it. So that's an important component. Go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, like you say that I should have a mojo bag. In this case, I can I have a high zone mojo bag? Sorry, what do you mean you can't you. have a mojo bag? I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, it means that you say that I should have a mojo bag with me. So oh, yes, can you I have carry it with a, you. Yeah. a high mojo bag? Yeah. The mojo bag I, I, gave, uh, I gave you is the mojo bag. It has high john in it. It has calamus. Right. It has lovage. It has ginger. Ali Cuban, gave you a recipe. Ali gave you a recipe, and you can make your own mojo. With the recipe, mm -hmm. you can play it back in the archives, and we also have a chat log, which will be written down, and you can order those things or you can buy them locally because you're in Malaysia. Okay? And you yeah, can make I your see. own mojo. Yeah. We also have a book on how to make mojos called The Art of Making Mojos. Okay? Mm. And um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what restrictions there are for shipping to Malaysia. I know that we do ship there, but you should check it out and don't order anything that cannot be shipped there because you can make most of it yourself. And that's why Ali tried to get you to make it yourself. Okay? All right, and if you have any more questions, just ask in the Lucky Mojo forum in the Mojo Bag for Love thread or just in the Mojo Bag thread, okay? We'll mm. try to help you there. All right. Thanks very much for calling all that long way. We really appreciate your confidence in us. It's very kind. All right, we're going to turn this over to Papa Newt, and he's going to take our next caller. 
Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic contra practitioners located online at readersandreworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phone and take our next client. And our next client has been a long-time listener for seven years approximately and first time calling in from area code 407 in Florida. This is Star. Star, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, welcome to the show, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Now, I do see that you have had a reading with uh, Ms. Catter Conjurman Ali on a different situation about five years ago. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, looks like conditions change, but you have not had any readers on this situation, it looks like. And Star writes, have a, lo- a love target who I have been working on. They are a bit of a do what I want slash say, and that is that. Male stubborn side. Um, Lucky Mojo items I have been using for honey jar, doll babies, and St. Martha vigils, fire of love, follow me boy, bewitching, kiss me now, columnist, love herbs, balm of Gilead, and cherry bark to open up communication back up for starters. Then to work on things to keep moving forward as they were for romance. Looking at if I should keep moving uh, with the same products or add in a bit different dominance slash upper hand appeal or do something, uh, other kind of work. So turn it back to you, Ms. Kat. Wow, Star, so you really know what you're doing. That's good to hear. I'm I'm going to ask a couple of questions before I turn this over to Ollie and William for your reading. Question number one, about how old are you? 31. 31. And about how old is your love target? 29. 29. All right. So you're within a shooting distance there. And what sign of the zodiac are you? Virgo. Virgo. And what sign is the target? Libra. I'm sorry. Did you say Libra? Libra, correct. All right. Well, that's not the... Um, best. Mm, I just uh, Conjurman Ali just posted. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Something there. All right. So um, I'm going to. I'm going to. You've done a lot of work. How long have you been working? Um. With what I've been currently doing, it's been almost a month coming up. A month, all right. And I'm going to ask one more question before I turn it over to Ollie. The question that we're all waiting to hear the answer, have you ever had sex with this person? Yes. Yes, okay. Now we turn it over to Ollie. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for trusting us with the truthful answer there. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. All right, Star, I pulled up a couple cards here, uh, and I also have a geomantic reading, so I'm going to tell you what they say here. First, we have the Eight of Pentacles. Uh, this speaks to you, uh, and it's an earth sign, very much tied to the kind of Virgo work that you're doing. Um, it's uh, about putting in the work, putting in the hard work. 
Uh, it's not easy work. It's not uh, one work. It's something that you keep at it and you keep at it for a while. You've been working for a month, and that's very much reflected in this Eight of Pentacles. You were putting in the necessary work in order to get what you want, but you're still very much in the rudimentary phase of it. What is going to be required is you figuring out what the base of this root work is going forward. You've got a lot of different things going on. That's not going to be the best approach. What's the best approach is going to be to figure out what you need to do and then do that work consistently over a period of time. That's going to be far more successful than the sort of uh, scatter approach that you've got going on here. The next card is the uh, Seven of Wands, and it does show a person who is standing on a hill fighting off uh, stabs that are reaching up. This is a person that is not going to be easily swayed. Um, while Tauruses and Aries and Capricorn are considered notorious for stubbornness, Libras are, you know, they like to do things their own way, and it's not easy to kind of sway them in that regard. Um, there's often a, a joke that amongst serial killers, it's almost always either Gemini, Libra, or Virgo. <laughs> because they're a little bit out there. Um, and then with the Virgo and Libra connection, there's always a little bit of a domination match. Libras like to do their own things their own way. And Virgos, let's be real, are a bit of a control freak, right? So there's, there's some tension here. And we definitely see it in this Seven of Wands. This is a person that is going to fight you and fight you hard. My recommendation is to change the approach. Domination work is not going to be successful here. Uh, Saint Martha la Dominadora is not the ideal saint to be working in this matter. She tends to bring back wayward partners more than anything else. And while she can be a really powerful ally, you might want to work towards a different angle. And the different angle here is seen in the Page of Swords. The Page of Swords is a spy. It's sneaky. It's airy. It finds a way in through the cracks rather than a full-on forward charge. We see this person mobile, very motion-oriented, rather than stable and fixed. And so my recommendation would be uh, enchantment work more than anything else. Bewitching is going to be good. Sh you know, switch out that calamus, put in some catnip. That's going to be where you're going to make the shift. You want to wrap this guy around your finger, and you can do so. You can be successful here, but you need to change the approach. The approach has to be to get this person fascinated with you. And, and Miss Cat will know exactly what I'm saying when I say fascinated. Mm -hmm. Fascination mm -hmm. work, enchantment work, bewitching work is going to be very, very successful. You need to tap into that sort of airy Venusian quality that Libras have. Get him to really find himself enveloped in thoughts of you. That is going to work and work quite well. You do need to work swiftly on this matter. Because I do sense that there is a threat of a rival, uh, if not already there, but will be on the scene within the next couple months. So if they're not there, they will be shortly. So be aware of that. You want to work relatively quickly. Uh, work towards getting this person to really be wrapped around your finger. And then once you've got the kind of enchantment and work going, the bewitching work going, then you bind them to you. Then you're going to make it, you nail it down with some good, solid work. Uh, to ensure that you never have to deal with this kind of potential uh, love rival. Uh, and this is confirmed with the geomancy reading, which also hinted at we saw uh, Puer show up, which is an indication in, in the seventh house, uh, an indication of illicit relationships. So be aware that there is a potential there. 
So you want to nail this down quickly before it leads to that particular uh, place. All right, that's my recommendation for you. This is my reading. I'm going to turn this over to William, and then you're going to have Miss Cat give you your consultation. So let me ask a question. How long have you been targeting this gentleman? Like as far as the work I'm doing or like knowing him? Yeah, so how long have you known him and how long have you been targeting him since you've known him? Knowing him, it's been about a month and a half since we started like talking more like serious-wise than what we were before. And then work-wise, it's coming to be about eight months. Eight months. Okay. I thought she All said, right. so, did she say a month or eight months? Eight. Eight, eight months. Eight, eight months. Eight. So, uh, one month. About one, a month? Correct. One month. Yes. Okay. One month. That's All what right. I thought, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, look, um, so this is how I'm seeing it because – uh, it's almost as if uh, you're trying to make something that's not supposed to happen. You can gain this individual's interest to pursue you up to a point. And what I'm seeing here is that, uh, as Countryman Ali has pointed out, somebody else, a threat or a rival, is already involved or on the scene or soon will be. I think they're already there. I think they're already present. And I think that's part of where he stands. Now, he has not completed his Saturn return yet. And his Saturn return is going to be a very heavy Saturn return. He's 29 turning 30, so he has not completed that process yet. He is in no position, at least from this horary figure that I'm looking at, he is in no position to want to be monogamous either sexually or emotionally with any woman. And I think he is still figuring out what he wants to be, who he is. Uh, I, you know, so my, my advice would be do not get more vested in this. At some point, I think if you change up your magical approach, put a limit to it. Put a time frame to it. Realize that from what I see, there's a number of shifts and changes that are going on in your life. Big ones coming this year where this, where this gentleman and your focus on him will be rather secondary or, you know, something that, or that your values and where your interests are going to lie are going to change. So I'm not seeing this work out where you'll be able to, even if you get him to meet up with you again, I don't really see much coming out of this. And a lot of it has to do with him, but it also has to do with what I'm seeing happening in your life at this point. So uh, I don't have your chart, but I do see right now, I see Saturn, one of your significators. Uh, your significator is, the moon and it's void of course right now and it's about to change signs and that means something is going to change in your life that's outside of your control that's going to happen this year probably I would say within the next four months so that's the bigger issue and that's something that I think you probably really need to look at with another divination or reading which is separate from this so that's what I have to say 
So what you're saying, William, if I understand it, is that uh, given where we are right now in time, where he is right now in time, what your horary chart said, this may not be something you can win. And it, in a few months, you're going to have gone through some changes that will have possibly have made this goal not even a starter. And you should not put even a time relevant, limit on correct. Not even relevant. Yes. Yeah, okay. I I got that sense from both of your readings, so I'm going to go from that because I'm, you know, I'm I'm a I I respect both of your readings. I'm going to uh, and I got it, I have to say for myself, I heard it off the I I read even when I don't want to read. I hear off the voice and I hear off the sun sign astrology. Um so Virgos have sometimes have a difficulty showing their most sexual and alluring nature. It's they're they're very focused people and they're really really good at what they do, but what they do is not lounge around and and you know, you know, bat their eyelashes. It's not the Virgo thing, but Libras tend to like that. So Virgo Libra is not the most, you know, copacetic, although there are plenty of Virgo Libra relationships because the two are adjacent and they may share what's called mutual reception of the inner planets. And I want to get into that, but William knows what I was talking about and so does Ollie, right? <laughs> so, um, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. And so sometimes we find these uh, adjacent signs that really don't seem like they're going to work, but they do because of the mutual reception of the inner planets. Well, we don't know the guy's chart, but but um, William pointed out something. You might want to get a chart done to see, because we can't do that on the radio show between the two of you, a, a, a um, combination chart. Now, going to the idea of time frames, I would like you to set a time limit on this, and I'm going to tell you you've been working hard for a month. I agree, by the way, that working with um, Martha the Dominator just right off the bat is not the best way to have either a lust or a love relationship. Martha is good for if someone is running around behind your back, Um, but Martha is not the saint who one calls upon for seduction and what William earlier in the show referred to as the courtship phase of the relationship. The courtship phase should be really done through the Libra aspect, Venus and love and pretty things and and luxury foods and dining out by candlelight and, you know, um, fine textured clothing like velvet and silk and Mm. a beautiful piece of jewelry to fascinate. You want to wear some nice jewelry. And Libras go for sparkly. They really like it. And if you have um, a nice piece of jewelry, whether it's a ring or a necklace, you're going to anoint it with some bewitching oil and um, and wear it, you know. But you, you really want to do that Libra thing that the Libras like. They like, um, you know, they like fancy. They don't just want chocolate. They want the fancy artisanal chocolate. They don't just want cheese. They want the fancy artisanal cheese from Frickin' France, okay? <laughs> Libra, Libras have expensive tastes, and if you indulge those tastes, they will be drawn to you as moths to a flame because they will have all of their desires gratified. Um, interestingly enough, sexuality is in there, 
but it's not the most they, they they really like luxury more if it was a Taurus you're going to throw all that stuff at them and then you're going to have hot sex with them but they're both mm-hmm. ruled by Venus is why I mentioned Taurus but Libra is much more artistic they love beautiful harmonizing colors Virgos are a lot more businesslike and so you have to go a little extra step to to mimic or play that Libra game. Now, as far as the time limit goes, I'm going to give you some ideas. I want you to set candles for this person. I want you to have nine candles. I want you to write out a tic-tac-toe type board. You know, just take a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper and cut it off so it's eight and a half by eight and a half. You just want to make a square. You're going to draw a um, lines, you know, two by two to make a tic-tac-toe square. In every square, I want you to write something that you want from that person that you believe is feasible to get. You don't necessarily want to all of a sudden have babies with a person, or maybe you do, I don't know. But um, but what is it you want? You want um, sexual intimacy. You want um, verbal um uh, contact to increase, in other words, phoning. You want text contact. You want um, uh, pleasurable times that are not sexual times together. Whatever You want nine things. And I want you to think about these nine things and really refine what they are. These nine things, and they have to be feasible. You know, if you live in Virginia and um, and he lives in Texas, having him move to Virginia from Texas when you've only known the guy a month is not feasible. So we're just going to put nine feasible things. On each of these um, squares, you're going to light a little white candle, just a white candle, and you're going to dress it with some sort of a love oil, such as come to me. And you could also put in a sex oil if you want, like fire of love, or love me, mm-hmm. whatever it is you want. Mix them. Each candle should be on a candle holder because you don't want to burn that paper. You don't want to stick that candle on that paper and then have it all go up in flames. So you want a little, you know, a little brass candlestick. You only need one because you're only going to burn one candle at a time. You're going to burn each candle. You're going to observe it. You want the little four-inch candles or birthday candles. You're going to observe them. You're going to observe them for do they smoke? Do they melt? Do they leave tears? What happens? Do they leave a pattern? Do they burn totally clean and gone? Write down um, in the square how you felt while it was burning. And any square that did not work out, I'm going to put an X through it. That square didn't happen. But any square that you did get, you've got a feeling that you got a good burn, you're going to put a circle around. It's just like tic-tac-toe, right? When you're done, you're going to look at, did you win the tic-tac-toe or did you lose? So this is a divination on nine candle spells. It's a real old-fashioned way of working. And i got to give a lot of big shout-out to Theodora Galton, who has refined the tic-tac-toe method in a million ways and has taught me more about it than I knew myself. Theodora Galton, a British uh, worker who lives in Texas. So that's what I would do. If you can get a line, you know how tic-tac-toe is played. If you can get a line through three zeros, that's where you're going to do more work. If you can't make a line of three zeros and everything's X'd out, just give up right then. But if you got a line of those, say you got, let's say um, more texting has resulted and the candle was a good burn, and if more sex has resulted and, and let's say, um, and, and um, oh, I don't know, you know, took me out to dinner. You got three of them, they made a line. That's where you're going to put your energy for the next round. Okay, and we can go on from there later. But that's just the first round. Tic-tac-toe method of Theodora Galton. Okay. All right. Anybody else have something to add? 
Just a reminder that the, the, I think uh, William's recommendation of a timeline, very yes. important here. I mean, the cards that we pulled, the Seven of Wands, the Page of Swords, you can get what you want, but those aren't cards that say, hey, this is a long-lasting you know, love partnership. So right. timeline and is I important said, too. I said nine days, right? I said this yeah, is, I'm exactly. giving her a nine-day timeline, nine candles, nine days. All right. But she can go on if she wins. <laughs> All righty. Um, so uh, let's uh, take it away with the fabulous uh, network announcement that is going to be pre-recorded and brought to us through the mercy and grace of Lord Shiva. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Recover with Catherine Ironwood and Condram and Ollie. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain. Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse. Fridays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our freestyle segment with William Stickevers of williamstickevers.com in Las Vegas, Nevada. Take it away, William. Yes, today was, I have a hoodoo herbal tea potion to enhance divination. This is for all hoodoo practitioners out there who are doing divination on a consistent basis or a herbal remedy that will help them put them in the proper state so they can be the best channel to do divination under, uh, to enhance their potent psychic enhancing uh, to the best of their abilities. I, you know, this is something that, uh, is a big issue when you're under pressure. So to prepare the tea potion, I'm suggesting use the following amount of herbs per cup of boiling water. Uh, one table of dried mugwort to enhance psychic abilities and success, success in divination. One table teaspoon, I should say, of dried lemon balm to enhance psychic transference with the client in divination. One teaspoon of dried yarrow to enhance the powers of perception in divination. One teaspoon of dried peppermint leaves to enhance the divinatory action of yarrow and mugwort. One quarter teaspoon of ground cinnamon to augment and intensify the psychic work in divination. And one quarter teaspoon of ground cloves to dispel any negativity that can emerge during a divination reading. So one should boil the water, but do not use aluminum, an aluminum kettle. This is important. Pour the water into a mug or pot, leaving the herbs to steep at least five minutes, but don't leave them in there for longer than 10 minutes or the tea may become bitter. Then strain and pour in a teacup. Place your hands several inches over the teacup and recite the 23rd Psalm and drink. Wow. That, and look at how, oh, it, this is in the chat room, folks, in absolute bullet-pointed list, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is a really good spell, really good spell. And I just have to say something else. 
a bit off track. I love your New York accent, under pressure, <laughs> and power the water. I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You're going to think, oh, and that's why she likes Bernie Sanders so much. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> he really sounds like a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does sound like a New Yorker. Well, I've been married to two New Yorkers in my life, not now, but the two New Yorkers I, I was married to, one of them looked like Bernie Sanders, and the other one um, sounded like him, and they both sounded like him. So I love that. But what a beautiful spell. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on, on you and your accent, but it just blew my mind. It's like, it's so, it's so vital it's so basic but what a great spell because here we Thank have you. now i'm going to ask one question mugwort sure you got a tablespoon of dried mugwort there are people um one of whose name is Catherine ironwood who are allergic <laughs> to mud, mugwort <laughs> i was going to say that <laughs> <laughs> right. right what would you tell me who is allergic to mugwort what could i use instead you could use wormwood, although wormwood is oh, no. much more problematic. Yeah. It's just too much. So I would recommend desert sage. That's, desert sage. That's an okay. option. Yes. Okay. Desert so you're sage. basically going. I got What if I'm allergic to all of the artemisias? Okay. I just like no artemisias. Okay. <laughs> well, um, that's a good question here. I mean, I basically, I mean, yeah, including tarragon, correct? No, I'm not allergic to tarragon. Okay, tarragon is very good. Okay, yes, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of the milder of the of them, and Mm -hmm. um, thank you for saying that. I've also um, used just to let you know. There's a kind of decorative artemisia called Powis Castle Sterling Silver, and it's really just a little border plant. And I've used that. Um, It doesn't have the Overwhelming mugwort wormwood thing going on. Um, so, yeah. I usually, Thank you. if right. I, if I if I need to move away completely from artemisia, star anise uh, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It has same psychic qualities, same increasing of, of visionary capabilities, and you know, it's also wonderful in spices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also yeah. part of Pernod, the Pernod line mm-hmm. of uh, that is made out of wormwood. So when mm-hmm. they removed the wormwood back when they were doing the absinthe back uh, in the late 18, early 1900s, they replaced that or they kept the star anise, anise mm-hmm. in the Pernod. And then, so that was, you know, that kept the, the, uh, the taste, right? It, and yep. it's basically the, lick- the taste for the liquor. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that 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 licorice-y, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what makes um, uh, Artemisia's um, allergizing to some people are chemicals called thujones, and um, they will give some people a difficulty breathing, and they also have um, uh, effects similar to cannabis, and they... Um, and, but they are, for some people, it's all genetic. It all has to do with what your brain receptors are like. For some people, they will cause anxiety and shortness of breath, and I'm one of those people. Whereas um, regular cannabis marijuana does not do that to me. The thujone-bearing artemisias will do that to me. And mm. um, so 
but there are many, many people who just that it can put them into an incredible psychic state. And um, so, not trying to rag on the <laughs> that was a joke. Not trying to rag ward on the on the Artemisias there. They are really, really great plants for those who can take them. But for those who can't, we always need that substitute. Um, mm. And they this, they do this. They do alter consciousness. And I'm going to say another thing, because I thought you might say, how about marijuana? And I'm going to say, (laughs) well, you would want to use a very small amount or just use some old scraggy stems. I'm saying we're going to talk about a tea here. We're not talking about getting, you know, whacked out of your head. But but cannabis is also used for psychic vision and mind-altering, you know, divination. And so, again, I'm just just saying, when Bernie Sanders is elected, weed's going to be federally legal all over the nation. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, there's our music, and um, I am so happy to have you as a guest, William. Do come back again soon. You You always just bring so much intelligence and enlightenment to our show. And um, I, I really enjoy your company. I know that you and I have major political differences, but you know, yes, you are—we oh, definitely do. But but you and I have. There must be something else going on between us because we actually, you know, we are one of those unity and diversity kind of friendships. And I've been knowing you for so long, and I just love having you as a guest on the show. All you I people who want to vote, all you people who want to vote for Trump, go on over to William Stickerfers. Facebook page, okay? <laughs> All you people want to work for Bernie Sanders, come on over to my Facebook page, okay? But knowing that, know that we are best friends, all right? All right. <laughs> Having said that, let's let's turn this over to Papa Newt, and he's going to give us our closing words, and then we're going to come back and say goodbye. Thank you, Miss Cat and Congressman Ali, and thank you, William Stickovers of WilliamStickovers.com in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, for being our guest this week. We do invite you to join us next week when we'll have another special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers joining us. So stay tuned. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Congressman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Vegas. California. I'm your announcer, Papa New, joining you from PapaNew.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Brewer Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jugman playing the Jugman Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Papa Newt. And again, I want to... Um Thank William for being our guest. Thank uh, Ali. And I want to give a little shout-out to some of the people in the chat room. Dr. Sweets, who has some great ideas about Thai love and sex amulets, which we were not able to get to. Um, And we have um, Kali Mojo Girl and um, uh, Linda Jones 5 and, of course, Miss Michael, fantastic um, person who's always with us. And Tony I. Hi, Tony I. We have a lot of good people in chat, and we love to see them. All righty. Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.